Good evening, all you creatures of the night. I wanted to do a quick little intro here before we actually started the podcast to make an announcement. Pete, uh, Lindsay, and I had been discussing this before we started the podcast, but we failed to mention it during this episode, so I thought I'd take some time to mention some announcements about the podcast. This episode that we are about to do marks the 50th full-length episode that Lindsay has been a host of the It Records podcast. So we just wanted to give a shout-out before it started that Lindsay has been hosting the podcast with us now for 50 full-length episodes, the first one being Misery, which was about two two years ago now, possibly three. I think it was in 2017, early 2017, that Lindsay started hosting the podcast with us. But if you didn't know, she has been in the background since the very beginning. She helped us with a lot of our production notes, research into the episodes as we prepped for the full-length episodes where Pete and I were just the host. Lindsay was behind the scenes the whole time, and she actually had a few blogs during that time period. But this marks now the 50th full-length episode that Lindsay has been a host. So we thank her for joining the podcast and everything you've done for it. We really appreciate everything you've done for the podcast, Lindsay. Uh, you've brought great banter between Pete and I, and we always enjoy your insights into the film. So thank you again, and happy 50th episode. As we start this episode, one more bit of nugget of information. This will be a new intro song we are going to be releasing for this episode. It is a new release of our intro song for the Records podcast provided by one and only Pete's brother. So thank you, and here we go. Creatures of the Night and Late Night Prowlers. This is the latest podcast episode in gore and guts, slasher screams and squeals, and all the things which conjure up your nightmare. To be afraid is accepted, but it won't save you from the dangers which leer right over your shoulder and breathe down your neck. When the lights are out and the night is still, the beating of your heart will give away your hiding place. It will find you, and it will not be forgiving. This is... It records. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It is myself, Matt Johnson, emerging from the shadows. I am here. It's been a while. It's I've been in quarantine in the shadows, but it's been fine. But I'm back to podcast. Glad glad to be here with you all. Likewise. I thought you were gonna see. I thought you were gonna say me, myself, and Irene. That's what I thought you were gonna say. Mm. Could have. Yeah. Could have. I did not. It was a missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> I know. 
I'm uh, I'm bumbling with my words today. I I missed an opportunity. I feel like I stumbled through that intro, which could be changed in post. We don't know the magic of editing. If I redo it, it's <laughs> too early. It's too early for you. Usually we do this at nighttime. Now it's a early afternoon. That's or, true. I know. We're reinventing the wheel here. <laughs> I know. I'm all out of sorts. <laughs> yeah. It's good, but yeah, we are here. Thank you for joining us. And before we kind of launch into the podcast, what we did, what movie we watched, I wanted to throw it to you guys uh, as we've been doing. What have you been watching, horror or otherwise? What's been on the radar? What's new? Pila, you gave us a little bit of a tissue. <laughs> what, what you've been up to? Let's see. I finished Sherlock finally. Uh, watched that all in one day. Because wasn't doing anything. I finished Venture Brothers. I finished oh, nice. Samurai Jack. As a great show. Yeah. Uh, what else did I finish? Dragon Ball Super. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. There's another one in there. I caught up. No, 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 not really. But like, I need one more season of Shit's Creek. It's on a Netflix. Uh, mm. I need to watch one more season of DuckTales, but it's not on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> oh, man. The, the new one, not the original DuckTales. <laughs> okay. So I was just, I'm just all over oh. the place. <laughs> You've gotten a lot nice. of work done. Yeah, you know, I'm very productive. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, for me, I, uh, I'm back at my Beverly Hills 90210 bullshit. Um... They have all ten seasons on Hulu. Um, I have, like, the first eight seasons on DVD, but I don't have a DVD player um, at my <laughs> apartment. So um, I'm really excited. I was watching, like, some, like, there was a Luke Perry documentary and then a 90210 documentary on, like, some channel last week. And so it inspired me to go back to my roots and start watching the show again. So I'm looking forward to that. Nice. So ha- have you started it yet, or you're about to start, like, from um, episode one? So I'm in the middle. I, like, had started watching the first, like, ten episodes of season one. Season one is kind of hard to get through, honestly, because it gets so much better, like, seasons two through six, I would say. Um, But so, like, you're just trying to hang on, because you know, like, it gets so much better. Um, But, yeah, so I'm kind of struggling through season one right now. Um, But just started it again, like, last night. Okay. I've literally nice. never watched that show. Time has not been kind to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have not watched it either, but if it's on Hulu, um, I might check it out. I might I might give it a viewing. Uh, maybe not the whole series, but yeah. I'll start it. I'll yeah. start it and see. I'll dip my toes in. I'll see if I enjoy it. And yeah, I'll see where it takes me. Remember, I did that with Dawson's Creek. So Dawson's Creek has been on my list for years. So and that's Dawson's Creek came from Nine Hundred Two Little. Let's please remember. Yeah. So yeah, I encourage it. Just remember, season two, it gets better. <laughs> okay. What have you been watching, Matt? I'm still making my way through Community with my girlfriend. We're in. Probably halfway through season four right now. Okay. Oh, nice. So we're... When Dan Harmon's gone. <laughs> Dan Harmon's gone. Yeah, the gas leak year. So we're making it through season four right now. That's been fun. I recently watched... I think that's the only show, like TV show I'm watching. I can't think of another one. But I watched Police Story 2 the other night, which is a Jackie Chan movie. Mm. He's Jackie Chan's in Police Story 1 as well, and it's a Chinese movie. Really good action sequences, so I recommend it. Uh, even if you you can get the dub versions or not, but it's super cool action sequences, which they talk about in a YouTube series called Every Frame of Painting. Have you guys heard of that? I have heard of that. that I have not. It's super interesting. I think he doesn't do it anymore. I or... think he came back, actually. Did he? Yeah. Okay, cool. It, it, it's just a, a YouTube channel where he kind of dissects different directors or styles um, and breaks it down in like like eight to ten minute YouTube videos. So he's done one about Jackie Chan and like his action action moves, uh, doing his own stunts and the fluid of it, fluidity of his motions in film and why it's so captivating. He's done Spielberg, uh, the one take, how Spielberg uses really long one takes a lot. 
So it's just a really cool, that's a plug for every frame of painting uh, for that guy. But other than that, I watched Police Story. I watched this movie called The Laundromat about the P- Panama Papers. And I hope to watch Tokyo Story tonight. Ooh, what, All right. a, what a curveball. <laughs> right? What do, you, do you have I, the Criterion channel or something? My, my buddy does. He has the Criterion channel. And I mentioned i mentioned to him several times like tokyo story because he just he what he's doing like a, he's watching a bunch of them and he watched like citizen kane and i said well i think tokyo story's on i really like that one and they always say that's like one of the top films ever made tokyo story by ozu so i'm gonna watch it with him i, I did i did a free trial of of criterion channel and i watched the original italian job which was great Ooh. oh yeah with michael kane um, and then I watched Blood Feast, which is like, uh, yeah. I think it's Herschel Gordon Lewis, like a old time, like, like horror director, kind of like he just like made movies with it, like with his own budget, like he financed all of them. He like made bad movies just because he could. And then like, they're really, really bad. <laughs> At least from <laughs> Blood Feast was the first one I've ever seen by him. And it's like really, really campy. And just like schlocky, and but it like paved the way for like future horror because he like you he was like prominent in like early gore because like there wasn't there was some gore before him, but like not to that scale or like in horror especially like even like Blood Feast is three years after Psycho and it's like it looks like a slasher film but like it's yeah. like they call it like a splatter film. Because it's just like, yep. yeah, you, you know what I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah. And what was yeah, the other it, one I watched? Um, oh, Rafifi I watched, which was a good heist okay. movie. Yeah. And you just texted me about Bluffy. I right? did. I was like asking if you heard of it. And it was just like, I was like, what the yeah. fuck is this? It's, it's like, I like the concept of him and just being influential in horror. But like watching Bloodfeast was really hard and boring. And it was an hour long, and I was like, man, this is rough. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of movies, we did one for the podcast. Who would have thunk it? We, we watched a movie. And the one we watched for this week was the 1972 film directed by Massimo Delamano. What have you done to Solange? Seems rather evident. I see. But you're not 
What have you done to Solange? Done to Solange. So I believe that's the original title, but I it might also go by. The Clue of the Green Pin, I heard was the other name for it. Oh, I didn't but even the, know that. I came upon it in research, so if you've seen either What Have You Done to Solange or The Clue of the Green Pin, it's the same movie, just different okay. titles. Okay. And I have a theory on why there's those two different titles, but as we get into the movie, people know more about it. I'll kind of, I think it's more of a marketing strategy in the, in the short. No, but you're right. I agree with that. Uh, We've also mm-hmm. talked about this before, like a while ago. Uh, I feel like a lot of Italian movies have like multiple names. Like mm-hmm. I, even sometimes they have like three different names. It's like kind of ridiculous. Like to keep track of all the different names that these Italian horror films have. Yeah, and I think yeah to that it's you know that they have one title that was for Italy, if it's a Giallo film, and then they're marketing it to America or to England or something, and it's going to change the title so that it makes more sense to what the plot is. Or in this one, I think it's because of an actress they changed the title for the American version. But if you don't know either of those titles, if you've never heard of What Have You Done to Solange or The Clue of the Green Pen, the film, it follows a teacher... Uh, who's having an affair with one of her students, um, and they see a knife killing on the shore, and other gruesome murders start occurring shortly thereafter. And the teacher suspects that he may be the cause of it, and he is also a potential suspect. So that is the setup, the very general setup for what have you done to Solange? We see a murder on the side of a river at the start of the film. How old is that girl? 18, I think. Okay, I was like, like, yeah, I was like so confused. I was just like, wait, like I was like, is this high school? Is this college? Like, I know bad either way, worse, obviously in high school. Um, But I was just like, how old is this girl? (laughs) Because like Solange, I think, slight spoiler, she comes in play later and she's younger. Wait a minute. Because they kept saying, like, you know, obviously over here we don't use the same terminology for describing, like, whatever year somebody is in school. They said, like, second form. Like, so is this high school or is this college? It's high school, right? I thought it was high school. Because okay. I, I, that was my first reading of it. It could be, I don't know, it could be college, but my reading was high school. Like, they're okay. younger girls. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. And I was just, like... I was like, I was like, I can't believe they're doing this. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's, what is it? I, I wrote it down. Nope. It's a college. So I, it's a is college. Is it really? Okay. Wow. I, I, I didn't click, but I wrote down, we get a panning shot at the beginning of the name of the school. And I was like, okay, I'm going to write that down. It's St. Mary's College okay. for college girls. Right. So it's a college, so or she's at least eighteen, I guess. Um, these students are. They fooled us. Uh, he, he's barely, yeah, but, but it, barely it felt scraped like a high by. School. Yeah, barely scraped by yeah. by. Exactly. Yeah, Enrique, exactly. Enrico. Being a creep. <laughs> yeah. Before we kind of jump into the, the plot or Act One, which I usually do, we do kind of a horror significance portion where I'll just say up front this is a giallo film and we've done several in the past we did well inferno was our last podcast which we said isn't really giallo but it's giallo 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 adjacent (laughs) yes a lot of the stylized elements of giallo are in inferno but 
I think what makes a giallo, and please help me out at any point, is it's like a whodunit. It's a thriller, kind of. Like, it's based off of an Italian... It's like novels or book series originally that are like whodunit thrillers, kind of, where it was a detective solving a case. And in film, they kind of continued that, but you always had black-gloved killers. Yeah. you. It was uh, like knives or like you know, saws or some sort of stabbing object was the killing item. And I think a lot of POV, a lot of POV shots in Giallo and is like the quintessential. Soundtracks, I feel like, are a big thing about Giallo's too. Mm. Good point. Definitely. Because this yeah. one was done by a very famous person who does, uh, I can't say his fucking name, like Inunio Morricone. I think is how you okay. say it. He did fucking the spaghetti western, like for Sergio uh, yeah. Giuliani, like Good, Bad, the Ugly. He did that theme, like one of the most famous themes of all time. <laughs> yeah, well, and to add on to that, the director is was it Massimo Dalamano. He uh, was the cinematographer for Fistful of Dollars and for a few dollars more. Okay. So, so this director was a cinematographer for those Sergio Leone movies. So I guess they that's where they met. Maybe the person doing the score and Massimo, the director. Yeah, that makes sense. And they, they decided they wanted to make this Giallo film, which is interesting. I, I just did some minor background information on Massimo. And again, he's known for a lot of the spaghetti western cinematography that we know with Sergio Leone. But they said this is like his most prominent work. Like if anybody mentioned him in film, it's really what have you done to Solange? It's like his uh, his work. That's his vision. They give him credit for. Him. All right. And I, I guess then to like round out or significance for the the viewer, we've done some giallo in the past, including you know this one potentially Suspiria and Inferno, Torso. Pete and I did. A long time ago, if you want to check that one out, that's like the fifth episode ever, which is another, uh, that's a definite Giallo film, 100% yeah. a Giallo film. But they also are the precursors to slashers. I think that should just be known, uh, to, to the viewer. So if you know the slashers in America in the 70s, Michael Myers, you got Freddy, you got Friday the 13th, you can kind of see those mass killers killing with knives, tracking down. You know, students or young people committing sin. They were inspired by the Italian giallo films of the late 60s, 70s. And so I guess we can go kind of just into the movie we want. Talking about how it's, you know, giallo, horror, slasher, connections, whatever. But I'll just start with the movie begins with this young couple, Enrico. Who we, we we don't we just know that are a couple at this point, and I, I forget the main the the woman's name. You guys remember her name? Enrico oh, is. I can't. I, I wrote it down at some point. Uh, For but, once, I actually know it's Elizabeth. Is it Elizabeth? Because I expected her to be Solange. Like we'll get into it, but Solange doesn't come in for quite some time, and I'm like, who the hell is Solange? Like, where did she agree. come into? So yeah. I agree one thousand percent. I was like. Wait, she's yeah. not Solange? What's going on? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good point. So Elizabeth, then, is, who's not Solange, is in this boat with Enrico. And she witnesses, it looks like, she believes to be like a murderer. She sees a knife glint in the sun, and someone's running away. And basically, Enrico's just like, oh, excuses. Always <laughs> excuses with you. This you is don't want to have sex. I'm so mad. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's pull this boat over. And then they got out of the boat. And she believes she saw uh, something happen, potentially a murder, someone being attacked, but he doesn't believe her, and they leave. To which we learn the next day that Enrico hears on the news that there was a murder by the lake, and he's in the house with a different woman, which we are led to believe is his wife in this house. So whoever he was with at the water was an affair of some sort. And which leads to him going to check out the murder at the lake where he sees, you know, the dead body and all the police around and which makes him late to work. 
where he works at a school. He's a professor. He's a professor at a college, which we have now <laughs> uh, figured out. It was a college. Uh, he's a professor. And this, it was a student at the school. This was a student at the school who had been brutally murdered. And I don't know if we want to go into how she was murdered quite yet. Or I feel like it needs to be brought up at some point. Yeah. But they're all, <laughs> they're all murdered in a similar fashion yeah they're very gruesome uh, <laughs> very they are oh, it's awful they are um i think you just need yeah. to rip the band-aid off we just need to <laughs> yeah go and you'll you'll understand that all of the women that are mentioned later that were murdered are murdered in the same fashion so they i believe are strangled first like to some capacity or their mouths are duct tape, and then they are stabbed. Um, they are brutally stabbed in the uh, in the vagina, um, and yeah, the knife. That's true. And the knife is left there, so that's the the image you're left with is that is just sitting there when you see the bodies. So that is how they are all identically killed. All right, and they yeah. off moving on with the movie. Um, yeah, so that's how the first woman who I believe. Uh, I don't believe that was Hilda. I think it was Hilda. Hilda Erickson. She was the first yeah. woman who was killed. And she's a student at the school who Elizabeth knows, who was the woman on the in the boat with Enrico. They go back to the school, and basically we, we get the rundown of all the professors and the teachers there, which is Enrico, his wife, a couple priests, the chemistry teacher. I started to write down all their names. I was like, okay, let's see if they're going to like allude to somebody. I got nice. like... Lieutenant Bard. That's when I meet Lieutenant Bard for the first time, who is from Scotland Yard. He will be investigating the case. And he gets the rundown of Father Webster, uh, Professor Kane, who does history and philosophy. <laughs> and then wow. I, they, then they went too fast, and I was like, I don't care anymore. But there's a lot of professors. <laughs> I mean, you did more than me. I oh, didn't yeah. write anything down. I just watched the movie. <laughs> that, is, that is what I did. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I took the Pete route as well. <laughs> yeah. So that's your setup uh, with the murder, and you get your your list of characters. You get your lieutenant. So who's going to be investigating the case in the Who Done It Giallo type film? And from there, I really think it does a pretty good job. I don't know where Act Two kind of starts, but it does a pretty decent job of making Enrico seem like the killer. Even though we, yeah. we know he's not, because we saw who where he was on the boat. But he can't say that he was at the lake because he was having an affair with one of the students. So he's really aloof about that the whole time. And he's not really saying that he saw the killer or Elizabeth saw the killer because he doesn't want to be caught in this affair. So people are beginning to su- suspect him as the killer the whole time, even though we know he's not. So we're trying to figure out who else could be the killer. Especially because he, like, returns to the scene of the crime. That was, like, their biggest thing against him. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, they got him in the newspaper. Like, uh, he was, like, late to work uh, again. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like the middle, like, act two is, like, pretty much the rest of the murders. I think there's, like, a two or three more. I can't remember. Um, There's... Two more, I think. Yeah, Janet, including, yeah. Janet and Ruth. And then there's like one that would come into Lindsay's section, but I don't think she dies. Right? No. That's, <laughs> that's Brenda. Yeah. Oh, Brenda, Brenda does not die. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> For joke. I was just like trying to get it all straight. <laughs> I can't remember everybody's name either. Oh, so I'm I... like, oh, someone didn't die. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like. Like, there's a lot that happens in Act 2, but I, like, can't explain it besides that more people died, and that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, he, he re- like you were saying, Matt, like, he really looks super suspicious. And then, like, he's, like, really trying hard with Elizabeth, and then Elizabeth dies. Um, oh, yeah. I think she's... She's second one to die, or she third? She's the third, because right before her was Janet, who was one of the blondes, 
who the killer called the house. That's right. It was like yeah. outside, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. So like, and like, he like got her an apartment. I was so confused. Like, and she's like the colonel's daughter. Some reason remember that. I don't know why. <laughs> mm. Um, and she was like drowned in her bathtub, mm. which was awful. Uh, and they're like actually trying to be detectives. They're actually like not. I think actually like how the cops are, or like they actually show them like trying to do their job, mm-hmm. which I feel like is very. You don't get like that a lot in slashers. I feel like in slashers they're just like, oh, I don't believe you. Like <laughs> it's hmm. a lot of them just like not doing their job. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. It's a good point. And I, I felt like Lieutenant Bard was always on to Enrico the whole time, knowing yeah. that he wasn't the killer. Because he really quickly figures out that, oh, he was at the lake, and just tell me you're, you're having an affair, and I won't tell your wife. You can tell your wife. But I need to know that so I can knock you off the list and you can help me find the killer. Yeah. So the, the police are a little more apt at their job, at, like, figuring out clues to get to the, the killer. It's not just so much they're, like, Bumbling around, tripping over each other. And in, like, Ariko, like, is, his wife is, like, oh, like, once Elizabeth dies, his wife, like, comes on his side. Uh, because they found out that they didn't yeah. have sex. Like, the doctor is like, oh, don't worry, she was a virgin. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, everything's <She's>... okay now. <laughs> yeah, she smiled so happily and then, like, walked out the door. Like, almost like with yeah. a skip. Like, she was so happy. <laughs> everything's fine. And then she's like, I'm gonna help you solve this murder so that you get exonerated. Yeah. And I was like, what? Because, yeah. like, she was also looking super suspicious. Because, like, Mm -hmm. I suspected of her being the killer for a long time. (laughs) I did, too, for about, like, five minutes. There was a certain scene, I can't remember which one, but I kind of just looked at her and I'm like... There was one where, like, he found the pen that he dropped at the scene of the crime, and then the cop brings it back, and then she, like, is peering over, like, a bookshelf, and then, like, right there, she looks super, super suspicious. So I was just like, I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure she's the killer, because, like, I thought it'd be, like... A kind of cool, not like a cool twist, but like I feel like at the time they're just like they're trying to switch things up by like, oh, you wouldn't suspect this wife to be the killer. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's good. And I wanted to uh, mention in, in Act Two, you talked about Elizabeth dying in the apartment that Enrico had got her. They're like love shack, if you will, in the yeah. city. But. I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, scene, the way it was shot, or it's pretty Giallo-esque, if you will, where the music is playing, which is pretty, it was, the, the, the theme is playing, and then you get the POV shot of the killer coming into the apartment. Yeah. All the, all the way through the killing. And I think that's pretty typical Giallo, where it's just showing his, like, the black gloves, opening the lock, locking the door, coming in, and then, like, running out. And even down the stairs. Like, all the way down the stairs when you saw that guy see him. You, like, watch the camera, like, go around and around the stairs. Yeah, what was that guy's deal? Like, I was so confused. They kind of, like, they, like, interrogated him at the police station. I slapped him around a little bit, and then, like, he was gone. <laughs> I, I know he was, I'm guessing he was the landlord, because he gave the keys to Enrico uh, in the first place. Yeah, that makes sense. He lived next door, he lived next door so, like, maybe he lived, you know, he lived on the property, and he rented it out. But I, I'm just guessing he was, like, super freaked out that a murder happened at his place. And so, like, when they asked him to come in for questioning because he saw the killer, he was just super traumatized. But his act, it was, like, almost like an overacting. Like, he was, like, super traumatized, yeah. I felt like. He was, like, screaming. He's like, they all look like priests. They're yeah. all priests. And then he sees a priest in the street. He, like, fucking runs away. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's, like, before Elizabeth died, she, like, kind of had this uh, flashback memory of, like, oh, I think I saw the killer, like, wearing, like, a black dress like a priest would. And so, like, everybody starts looking at the priest, and, like, I'm, like, right away, I'm, like, it can't be that easy. Like, it's not, like, you know, the viewer knows it's not a priest. Like, somebody has to be stealing those garments, so. But, yeah, so. 
Yeah. hundred percent. And what was I going to say? Oh, I thought that was really interesting film techniques too. When she's like, I think she's having the dream. What was it? Uh, oh, before Elizabeth dies. It's before Elizabeth dies. She's like, when she's having the nightmares, there's really good like match on action cuts between like her waking up to like the scream of the girl or whatever. Yeah. And like the stabbing or like the stabbing and like she's having sex. And I was like, or well, they didn't have sex. I'm sorry. The guess, lieutenant told yeah. us. The lieutenant told us she didn't have sex. But <laughs> like, there's just like her waking up from nightmares or like remembering the events. Like a good match on action cuts from like what her dream is. If that makes sense. Where like the girl screams and then she wakes up screaming. So it was. Right. There's a lot of that in the film. Not just with her, but like even other people. I thought that was really good. It kept the movie going with the pacing. Yeah, because it was ex- it was exactly what you were just talking about, kind of flash forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing that that you were saying that I also really liked was like, uh, I think it was when one of the students got stabbed, she woke up from her nightmare screaming. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was like like you were saying, like a cool like cross cutting or whatever. Yeah, it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else happens in Act Two. <laughs> like I don't know. I guess he does see that. That black guy, though, I kind of forgot about him in just now. Uh, the guy oh. that's like taking pictures of women naked for some reason, um, and hooks up with. It's not like he hooked up with a lot of the girls, right? Um, right. That like, and then you could take this away, Lindsay, because it kind of goes into your section. But like, they you start finding out like the there's like a secret club that the girls are in. And there's a fucking odd shit happens. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, like, they kind of... He's very mysterious, like, at, when he's talking to this guy who he kind of was led to because some of the girls that had been killed were affiliated with him, I guess. Or, like, um... He kind of, like, says, oh, and then after this happened to Solange, like, and then he's like, who's Solange? And he's like, never mind. And like, it's very secretive. Um, so they, Enrico kind of thinks that, you know, Solange is kind of the key, I guess, to um, what's going on, maybe. And um, so the mystery only, like, kind of grows from there. Um, also, I just want to, like, mention that, you know, I think the audience expected Elizabeth to be the final girl. So when she's not, like, it's very, like, Shocking. Um, so, let me, okay, let me. F- yeah, that was, I'd agree, I'd agree with that, like, 100%. Or I, I watched this the first time and this time. If I'm watching Giallo, I'm kind of thinking maybe it's going to follow the slasher uh, storyline. Right. And hit all those points. And it kind of is, like, a lot of it is, like, you know, committing sin. All these girls then are being off one by one. It's got the killer, the stalker, things from their past. But, um I really expected Elizabeth to be the final girl and she's actually the third person murdered. And so it kind of, it does flip the movie at that point. And that's when the the wife is like, Oh, let's do this together. Right. It kind of flips the whole vibe of the movie. Yeah. So yeah, that was pretty good as far as a twist. Um, so at some point, like I thought that this was like a flashback to the past, but it wasn't. So I was like kind of confused for a second, but we see like the, um, elusive Solange like coming into the picture um she does not socialize or talk with the rest of these girls that are remaining um you know as they try to like engage with her like it doesn't really take that long for us to understand that like there's something wrong um with Solange like she seems pretty disturbed um so yeah she seems like sorry no No, go ahead I was like she almost seemed like she like uh, like she got lobotomized or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's, that's the first stretch. That's all I was going to say. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that's kind of a good description just as far as, um, trying to describe like how she interacted or lack thereof, um, with everybody. So, um, so like you said, there's kind of this secret, like club that had been established, I guess last year or something like where they all just like get really crazy and have orgies and stuff like that. Um, so it's pretty, like, it's pretty messed up, I think. And uh, so the last girl of the Secret Club, I don't remember her name. If you guys do, feel free to shout it out. 
Which one? The, uh, the last girl? The last girl. Brenda. Brenda. Dead. Wait. The blonde? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Brenda, who was with Solange at the circus. Yeah, tried talking to her. Solange wouldn't mm-hmm. speak. Okay. Yeah. So she gets taken and killed um, the same way the others had been. Um, I thought she survived. Did she? Brenda? I thought the last girl captured survived. I think she does. I think she was. It was. She was in the. Very close to. But then as soon as that happened, Enrico and Lieutenant Bard and his wife emerged. Okay. Hilda? No, that's not Hilda. I forget his wife's name. But they this all barge in. The, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. So edit this out, please, if I'm wrong. No, um, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Um, so, okay. So, again. Um, so, the police, like, after... Um, you know, this is taken, like, she's, she's kidnapped, um, you know, attempted murder, um, the killer is asking her, like, what did you do to Solange? Um, so this leads the police, I forget exactly how, um, to Solange's father, um, he is confronted about this, he denies any involvement at first, um, however, then Solange comes around, she, without a word, takes Mrs. Rossini to the place where the last girl had been kidnapped. Um, so this is all like burden. Everything starts to fall into place. Um, you know, we learn why the dad did this. He had been posing as a priest, um, because we do see a bunch of confessions, um, at Hilda's funeral that their girls, um, had gone to. So he poses a priest for each girl's confession and then, um, killed them for what they did to Solange. Um, he killed Elizabeth because she had seen him in the woods. Um, so what happened was Solange had become friends with all of these girls in this like weird club. Um, and then she had gotten pregnant after her first orgy. So, um, she didn't want to have an abortion, um, but she was forced against her will by the other girls and Ruth who had died earlier as well. Um, who murdered their baby with a knitting needle. Um, so because of this, uh, Solange ends up like not being able to have children ever um, and becomes extremely traumatized and insane. So after the father does confess all of this, he takes his own life, and that's uh, where things end. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot that happens in the last 30 minutes. It's like it almost becomes like a whole other movie. Like, the last five minutes, I'm like, when are we wrapping this up? What am I going to know, like, who the killer is? Like, yeah, it packs a punch. Yeah, so it was... It was uh, Solange's dad, who was a professor at the school, correct? Yeah, okay. he was. Okay. He's a professor at the school, so... I think he's the dean or something. I thought he was higher mm-hmm. up. Was it, I know I remember him talking to Enrico a lot. I don't remember exactly yeah what his role was, but he was a high up at the school, and I think he gets involved with like we meet Solange that first time in that one like up like that upside down upward angle shot, which is like super, like kind of unsettling for me because Enrico's like laying at the picnic in the park. Yeah, okay. sees her and I was like, who is this? Like, oh, it's Solange. Solange is now in the picture. Okay. Which, which he didn't know, but, but we did, because uh, she yells her name. But anyway, I thought, I was trying to remember when the professor, who is the killer, Solange's dad, he comes in after Solange like went off with Brenda, right? Because they're both lost. And uh, he came in like worried. He's like, oh my God, Solange is gone. Did he not kidnap? Brenda with Solange, so he knew where she was. Because he was the killer. So I feel like he kind of started to out himself by coming out already and being like, oh, where's my Solange? I guess he'd have to, otherwise it would seem suspicious because they were both gone. Yeah. So he'd have to, so he... That was kind of his demise, is that Solange got involved in his plans. Which it ended up being his ultimate demise because she's the one who showed... Mm-hmm. Sister Rosini. The room, yeah. The room, yeah. Well, she had a form of infantile regression, was her medical diagnosis from Lieutenant Barr. <laughs> I wrote that. 
<laughs> what a oh uh, my god. Yeah. That was really bad. Did you recognize that actress? I did. I did, yeah. Yeah, she's in a movie that we've done. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, her Solange was super weird how they portrayed her character. I think, and I guess we can go into who the actress was. It's Camille Keaton, who played Solange, who was in, you know, the movie Pete that we did? I Spit on Your Grave. <gasps> right, right. So the actress who was in I Spit on Your Grave no is way. Solange. <laughs> oh my god. Ugh. This kind Correct. of like reminded me a little bit of I Spit on Your Grave. I didn't really know why, other than... Some of the obvious similarities. It's not but... as bad. It's definitely not as bad. No. Like, like yeah. it's not as gruesome or intense. Like, right. uh, I, like, I would never watch I Spit on Your Grave again, where no. I would probably watch uh, What Have You Done to Solange again. It's really the manner in which that the women are murdered in this one is, like, really unsettling. Like, yeah. it's just, like, they don't, like, you don't really see a lot of the killing so much. Like, it's just like you see the dead body for a second or two and they pull away. But it's still, ju- it's still jarring. Like, it's still Absolutely. like... It's like cringeworthy. And so... But yeah, that's Camille Keaton who was in I Spit on Your Grave. And that was my theory originally of why I think this movie, as we know it, is called What Have You Done to Solange is because Camille Keaton is an American actress and she is Solange... And potentially, when you market it to us, you make the movie about the American actress that we can relate to. We've seen her in movies. The movie's about Camille Keaton. Which, in a sense, it is, but she's not really the main point. I mean, it's about Solange, but it's really about the other... Enrico, essentially. It's Enrico's the protagonist of the movie. But, uh... I was going to say with that. The, the actual name... The other one is... Oh, shoot. The Clue of the Green Pin. Which I think makes more sense, because the green pin is what the girls use to identify their club. That's what, <laughs> if you had the green pin, that's that, like, sex orgy there, yeah. drug club they were all in. Which, that's the clue that Lieutenant Bard used to kind of link them together and figure out what happened to Solange. Because he knew. At the end, he knew. He related to Enrico. <laughs> Lieutenant Bard. And I was like, well, what, what took you so long? Like, <laughs> Like, if you already knew this, the audience knew it because Brenda told the killer, but the only reason Rico knew is because Lieutenant Bart knew. What's, what's next for, <laughs> what have you done with Solange or whatever you want to call it? <laughs> I think usually if we've some, some of the movie, we do uh, some trivia. I got you. Some, some trivia in the film. She's got us. I, you know, with this movie, um, it's a little bit difficult to find a lot of trivia, but I did. Um, that's, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. So I do have some things. Um, so um, I guess it is an Italian and a West German co-production. Um, so speaking of the clue of the green pin, um, this movie is said to be loosely based on the 1923 crime novel um, of the same name. The clue of the new pen, of the whatever pen by Edgar Wallace. Um, You know, but it's so loosely based on the book that um, some film historians have argued that it was marketed like this as a way to sell the film to a German audience as part of the, sorry, I'm probably not saying this right, um, to the creamy film genre, which is short for the German term criminal film. That's with a K, all of you out there. Um, Mm, Okay. So... So yeah, um, marketing not just to America, but I think to other audiences as well. Um, so speaking of Camille Keaton, um, who played Solange, and I guess she said that working with the director was not the easiest thing because she was just learning to speak Italian and he didn't speak much English. So, um, for her role, the director told her that, um, he wanted somebody that looked frail, and I guess uh, by demanding that she doesn't tan, she will achieve that look. <laughs> so, so I mean, she did something right. She uh, she, she had did me. look. She looked frail. That's yeah. For damn sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Definitely. So maybe he knew what he was talking about. Um, so I guess I had not known this. So if you guys did, I'll be interested to hear. Um, but, you know, this movie is the first in um, a very loosely linked film series called The Schoolgirls in Peril Trilogy. Um, so the one following this 1972 one was the 1974 movie, What Have They Done to Your Daughters, um, directed by the same guy, similar, um, themes in that movie. And then the third movie in the series was Red Rings of Fear in 1978, but, um, the director died before production began on that one. Um, and then, supposedly... Somebody, director Nicholas Winding Refn, announced in 2016 that he was looking for a director and screenwriter for a remake of this movie. So I don't even know how that would work in uh, today's world. Wait, really? Yeah. I thought they remade it. Did they really? I think they did. Hold the phone. Isn't that the guy... Yeah, that's who I thought the the guy who did who Nicholas Raphael. If, okay. If he if he if he hasn't done the remake, that name's he did uh, Neon Demon, which you might not you may or not know. I think it's Ellie Fanning is the lead, but he did Drive with Ryan Gosling. Okay. And okay. Only and only God forgives with Ryan Gosling. So it's that guy, um, that director. Huh. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah. Definitely. I'm just like, how would you, I don't know, I just think you might have a hard time making a movie like that in today's age. I feel like it would be like watching his movies, like Drive, Only Gods Forgives, Neon Demon. I don't know if it'd be like a huge commercial success. It wouldn't come out like, you know, Halloween comes out now as a remake, you know, how they rebooted it. It wouldn't have that appeal. It wouldn't have that audience, but... He has his niche, mm-hmm. like people who want to, yeah, he does. Like who want, who want to go see Drive and stuff, like because of his style. And I, I like, I've seen Only God Forgives and Neon Demon, and I think he could make this work. Like, it would probably be unsettling, but he would put his own little flair on it. He would have to change a lot, I feel like, to make it good. Like, not the saying anything about this movie, but just like. How to modernize it? Like he would have to change. Mm-hmm. He would have to change quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's in his in his ballpark. Seeing his other movies, he could. Maybe it was a different do something. movie because maybe it wasn't this movie. Yet, but like, I think maybe it was like one of the other movies in that loose trilogy yeah. was remade. Because I could have sworn I came across that. Or I might be confusing it with another movie. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of remakes. <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, I definitely don't have a creepy headline. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I guess this is kind of trivia, and then I had a, a question or two for you guys about it. But uh, one trivia thing that I found just by looking up actors and actresses in this, if you know Camille Keaton is in I Spit on Your Grave, but Fabio Testi, who plays Enrico, our main character, I believe already worked with Maximo, the director. Uh, as well as the the person who did the score, because he was in the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Mm-hmm. He was he was he was the stuntman in the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and the Double. Oh, okay. So he he did a lot of the stunts for that movie. That's and now he's cool. the lead. He's the lead in this one. Yeah. And so, I guess two final things before we go into like Defender Destroy. I wanted to know if you guys noticed in the film all of like. The white eat that was being used. For instance, there was like a white horse behind Elizabeth when she left the house. When Janet was abducted, there was the white kitten that fell. And then when they went and found that photographer at his house, that girl was like painted all in white with milk in, in the background. And I didn't know if you guys like picked up on it no. or like what you thought its significance was. I did not catch that at all. I didn't either, yeah. and I'm like, okay, so now that you're seeing this, what was the point? Are they trying to kind of promote purity yeah. because these people are not pure, like, at yeah. all? So do you, do you know what the reasoning behind that was? I didn't find anything, like, explicitly people talking about it. But that's, like, all I could think of is, you know, like, white is usually signifies purity. Yeah, some, that's a some good, sense or another. That's a good thing. I think that's probably what they're going for. 
Yeah. And it's it's when Janet's abducted, she drops the kitten. So like, uh-huh. I mean, she she lost it. I guess she lost it because of that. And she, it's when Elizabeth leaves to go to the apartment where she's eventually strangled is when you see the white horse penned in, like following her down the road. So I don't know if that's it, but I noticed it a lot. Uh-huh. Like women in like white animals or like the woman was completely dressed like, in white paint. So good catch. That was an interesting take. Yeah. And I guess a final thought before Defender Destroy is one of your guys' take. I feel like this movie, compared to Suspiria or Inferno, very much kind of follows a, a slasher trend, if you will. Like how you, you could see that the movies in America became how Halloween. Yeah. Because you have the young girls that are like high school age, we thought, who were committing <laughs> sins. We're being hunted down one by one from something from their past with a, a knife-like object. And it's a whodunit. you got to find out who it is. It's it's more bounded in reality. It's not like the shadow, like Mike Myers or in your dreams, like Freddy. But it has a lot of those elements that you could then take to new levels, like John Carpenter did with Halloween. Or Toby Hooper with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which I like. He got lucky with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even more so, like Halloween is like Giallo because it has the score, which we always said is an element. A a POV cam and the score are big things in Giallo. And I think Halloween has that. You have Michael's POV cam at the very beginning of Halloween. Yeah. Where he goes in and kills his sister. And then the score, everybody knows the Halloween score. Yeah. It's. I feel like he. I feel like. More closely, John Carpenter was definitely heavily, heavily influenced by Black Christmas. And then, like, I'm sure Black Christmas was is in turn influenced by Giallo, because that was, like, an early slasher. Yeah, that was right around the same time. Oh, yeah, 100%. I don't know if we talked about this on Black Christmas or the Halloween episode, but how the... Who, do you guys remember who directed Black Christmas? It was yes. a Canadian guy. Yes, I do. <laughs> He did fucking that Christmas story. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Okay. And Porky's, which is, I like, it's like a stupid sex comedy. And uh-huh. then there's, he does another horror movie called Death Dream, which is pretty good. And that's all I remember that he does. Okay. Well, you guys know him. You're familiar then. I I just remember he, he basically said John Carpenter ripped off Halloween from him because he said, yes. and there, was an inter- there was an interview with him that said, like, hey, if you had to do another one, what would you do? And he's like, I'd probably do another holiday one, but I'd probably do it like, um, you know, the, the killer from Black Christmas had to go to a mental ward, and then he escaped, and it was Halloween. And so then John Carpenter was like, got it. And John <laughs> Carpenter made it. So John Carpenter did a great job, but that guy's always like, yeah, I, I had that idea. And I, did it, I, said it in, I said it in this interview. <laughs> Pretty shasty, but I mean, then again... John Carpenter, John Carpenter was way more successful than Bob Clark. Oh, yeah. And Halloween's great. Yeah. Halloween's a great movie. Yeah. Who knows if, if Bob Clark did it, it would be to the like the scale and in pop culture that we know it now. No, I don't think it, it would. Could, <laughs> it, it could have just been like a you know, B, B movie. B All his movie. movies are very cult movies, except for like A Christmas Story, because it is... I mean, even that, like, I feel like started as a cult movie and this, like, just became super popular because of Cable and then the this synonymous with Christmas that they played every Christmas. Yeah. And I'll give a shout out. I don't know if we'll keep this in, but I listened to another podcast called Faculty of Horror. Have you guys listened to that at all? No, I haven't. No. Yeah, it's these two women and they just do this, they do like a monthly podcast and one of their earlier ones is it's it's just comparing Black Christmas and Halloween. It was like Halloween horror, holiday horror, but they're comparing like what's good about each and what they prefer about each. And that's a really good podcast for kind of what we're talking about right now, where they just dissect those two movies. And that sounds interesting. The yeah, the benefits of each one. I definitely have to check you know. that out. Yeah, yeah. Right. With that, if we don't have anything more, we can go into Defender Destroy. Definitely. Um, I'll go first. I was thinking we usually kind of see who will go first, but since wait, 
Did I pick this? I didn't pick this, did I? No, Lindsay did. Yeah, this is mine. Lindsay picked. Lindsay, I was thinking, uh, you, I'll, I'll go first. I'll go first. That's fine. <laughs> I'll go first. I had a whole thought process, but, um, I'll go. But, alright, uh, what, what have you done to Solange? So, as I mentioned earlier, I, I started watching this because I wanted to get to experience other Giallo films, because Pete and I were talking about maybe writing a Giallo screenplay of some sort. So I fell upon this movie. And I enjoyed it because it was different than like Deep Red or like Suspiria or other ones I'd kind of seen prior to it, where it seemed just more of like a thriller. It, it's, it teeters on like just a whodunit thriller, but it has a lot of those horror slasher elements that we know today. So I was kind of surprised uh, about the, I guess the film itself was kind of, I don't want to say here. Reel back in. I I enjoyed the pacing. I thought it, it moved quickly for an hour and 40 minute movie. The plot kept developing. The murders were pretty greasy. Um, beyond that, it was like a whodunit thriller. It was pretty easy going, but then the killings were very jarring for me. But overall, I I would say I defend. What have you done to Solange? Uh, I, yeah, it was simple enough, and I, I'd probably watch it again. I think that's always a defend for me, is if I think it has some merits and I'd watch it again. Yeah. So, I would defend, what have you done to Solange? Or, I'm sorry, the clue of the green pin. <laughs> uh, I'm going to also defend this movie. I think um, it's definitely, like... From like I'm not as familiar with Giallo as you were saying, Matt. Like how we've we watched Torso, which I really really liked. I thought that was like, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's even more gruesome than this movie because that was pretty. That was pretty he uses graphic. A, he uses a saw. Yeah, that's true. He's, yeah, and, like a and the, the soundtrack I think is also cooler in that one. Like it's still like even though it's got a, like a really prominent person doing soundtrack like it's good but i feel like it should have been better because like you know i'm like i like grew up watching the spaghetti westerns that he did the themes for and so i like i was like oh fuck he did this like so this is gonna be great and i'm like oh it's it's like good <laughs> it's not as like iconic as like argento's score or like i don't know a carpenter score like we were saying like it's just like it kind of fell flat a little bit um it's definitely like better than like an average movie in my opinion but it's still like not like greatness that i was like mm-hmm. i don't know maybe the fact that like i just haven't seen like a lot of giallo movies i like i want to find like that like hidden gem i'll be like oh my god like everyone needs to see this movie but it's like kind of like uh-huh. oh it's like pretty good <laughs> yeah so that being said um This one is a little bit difficult for me to classify um, because, like, I was talking to you guys before we started uh, recording. I don't think this movie is boring at all. Um, I wasn't prepared for its intensity and feeling as deeply uncomfortable as I felt during some scenes. Um, When I picked this movie, I didn't know what we were in for. Um, I just knew it was Giallo, and that was good enough for me because that's what we were trying to go for. Um... So ultimately, I'm going to destroy it because the violence against women is just, it's so disturbing and it's too much that I can't say I really enjoyed it for that reason. And so I don't know if that means that Giallo is not for me um, because apparently this one isn't as gory as some other Giallo movies out there. But yeah. Yeah, uh, totally understandable. And a heads up, (laughs) our next movie that's also Giallo movie is supposed to be worse. So I just wanna I just wanna let you know that so Appreciate you're not as surprised okay. going into it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with this one, it's with like the the murders get worse in other Giallo ones, I guess, like more greasily or like that's part of it. Yes. But I I do think the method in this one, even though it might not be as like bloody and prolonged, like you don't really see the killings, 
is unsettling. Like it's it's the manner in which rather than like you know Inferno we watched recently and you see like a window come down on somebody's head or whatever. But like that just seems like you're trying to be excessive in like a killing. It's more I, horror to do that way, I think is what yeah. it is. And then with like uh what this movie is, it's like I don't know, maybe it feels more real or something like that. Yeah. It is like, it feels really creepy. <laughs> and like, I think that this succeed at just like making mm-hmm. you really uncomfortable. 100%. Yeah, because they try to, I think they, they, they try to, and as I was saying, they bound this one in reality compared to, you know, slashers we know, or even like Dario Gento, Suspiria's witches and stuff. Like this one's supposed to be real. And like somebody's, this is somebody you know is doing these killings. And, like, even Scream, which is kind of similar, it's supposed to be someone you know, they never, like, take it to the mag- the manner in which someone was killed here. Like, sure, Drew Barrier's Moore's intestines were pulled out, but, you know, it's, that's, right. you know, it's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, Scream 5, everybody, Scream 5. Is, <laughs> 2021? Okay. I don't, I don't know the year it could be, but I know it's, I know it's confirmed, and... Okay. Uh, David Arquette's in it. That's some good news. Sure. But I think other than that, that wraps up this week's episode of The Records, What Have You Done to Solange, or The Clue of the Green Pin. Whatever. Is your fancy? But until next time, get at us on Facebook, Twitter, our website. Uh, let us know what you're thinking. If you have any full-length episodes or mini-episodes you want us to do, subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes. You can listen to us there. We love hearing from you guys. Leave us a review. But until next time, I'm Matt Johnson, and I will remain in the shadows. I am Peter Hansen, and I got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lindsay Clark. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>